Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 102. Uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to join me on this episode. Uh, pray that it is encouragement. Um, those who are gathered listening, even across the world, I welcome you. I, it's, it's pretty awesome that we get the chance to even just connect, even as remotely as this is, um, and uh, sow into you and, and the, the life of faith that you have even all around the world. So I just I appreciate the opportunity that God's given for this uh, podcast to reach everywhere it has. So today we're going to be talking uh, about a little portion of Scripture in Second Samuel. Many of us are aware of the story of David, David and Bathsheba. This is where uh, this is a you know quite a mark in in David's life. There are some significant consequences of his decision, and um, so if you're not, if you're not, yeah, I guess intimate with the with this particular story, you find it in Second Samuel chapter eleven, uh, where we read of David and Bathsheba, and he is back in in the palace while the the army is off at war, and he sees this uh, beautiful woman. He desires her for himself, and turns out she is married to another man, an honorable man uh, named Uriah. David schemes to have him sent to the front line of the military so that he would be struck down as they withdraw from him, leaving him there. Uh, so that there's, it's just this really tragic moment in David's life when he allows himself to succumb to the lusts of the flesh. And, um, but we do know also in this story that God does not depart from him. God does address his sin and he is, uh, there is consequences of the sin, a, a judgment pronounced over him. So, but where I want to focus uh, our, our time here, this episode is, is a little something that I, I picked up in reading this myself some days past, but uh, we'll be focusing in 2 Samuel chapter 12. This is where Nathan, the prophet, is addressing this thing that David has done. Now, uh, where I'm going to be focusing on is verse 5 and 6, but I'm just going to read verse 1 just so we can get a little uh, kind of a, a pretext in it. So, the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now, a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man 
and prepared it for the one who had come to him. Now verse 5 is where we are really landing here. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Now, this is, we then later, we go on to find that Nathan just says this, you are this man. And this is what the Lord says. And so Nathan goes into this discourse of what, the, of what God is telling David. And a powerful thing, just on a side note of this, is God begins to name all these things that he has done for David what he's given him, this house, the, his wives, uh, given Israel and Judah to him, all these things that he has done for him. And God says, and if it had all, if all of this had been too little, I would have given you even more. And, and that's just a very powerful thing because David, the most powerful man, he had, he had all of the riches, all of the, uh, you know, all the greatest possessions that one could have, the power, the the honor, anything that one would desire, David had access to it. But God said, if that, if all of that had, that had been given to you was not enough, I would have given you even more. That's powerful if you just think about that for a moment. How generous is God to us, to, to those who can call him Father, how generous. And I, I believe that just demonstrates the heart of God and how, how kind and loving and generous he is to his children. Now, we don't all become kings. We don't all be, become rich. We don't all become powerful and, you know, the, the top of the scale, if you will. But if we, if we took the time to just look some things are actually worth more than riches, more than power, more than honor and title. So I would just encourage us to take a moment. If, if you find yourself discouraged in, in your position in life or place in life, there, there are some things that you have that even the most powerful and rich and influencing person would, would covet. So take time to analyze that. Our, our place with God, our intimacy with God is one of infinite value. And so if you, if you have that with, with God, this relationship with Jesus of, of intimacy and nearness, that is to be greatly cherished above all riches and in, in influence and power and prestige. So be sure you hold the right things rightly and and don't crave and hunger after the things that fade that are here one minute and gone the next so there's a little side trail there but david in verses five and six he makes a proclamation when he hears this story he judges this person of nathan's story now we turns out we we finally know we learn that this man is indeed david himself but it's, it's interesting here. 
he he says, David says, whoever did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over. Now, God, God says to David that because of this sin that he has done, the son born to him will die. The Lord has taken away your sin, Nathan replied. Once David confessed this sin and sought forgiveness for his sin, he says, you're not going to die. But because of doing this and showing contempt for the Lord, the son that is born to you will die. So David himself put Uriah to death. Uriah was an honest, upright, faithful, innocent man. David put him to death. A consequence of this sin was the child was to be put to death. God did this. The child was put to death. Now, that's hard for us to understand, just for one. That's difficult for us to comprehend. It seems, how like, how can the son or this child get put to death for the wrong that David did? Well, without worrying too much about the why, because many times the why is not, we don't have access to the answer for the why. We have to, though, rely on the nature of God. Um, God is not evil. God is not detestable. But when we walk outside of, of, his, of his commandments, there are consequences for the commandments. We actually see many times throughout the Old Testament where God brought about or caused something to happen that was very devastating. And, but if we, if we always look closely, we'll see that it's always connected to disobedience. It's always connected to sin, and it's the consequence of our action. So just keep that always in mind, and don't dwell on the fact that in so much why. Seek understanding. Seek to understand. Search the scriptures to try to find these answers. But don't allow yourself to get kind of turned over, if you will, in your soul to and and, and allow something to, to grow in you of um, perhaps distrust of God. Um, guard your heart against those types of things. But the one issue or the one consequence is the child was put to death. But remember, David said, this man must pay for this lamb four times over. Now, this is something that I've connected dots to. Um, I wouldn't um, necessarily create doctrine out of it or anything of that nature. But I do believe these things to, to be connected to even what David said of himself let me read you this passage. This is coming out of Matthew 12, verse 37. Jesus is speaking of um, just kind of various topics. But in verse 37, Jesus says, For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Previously, he's talking about you know how a good man will bring good things up out of the good stored in him, and an evil man brings out evil things stored up in him. 
but everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. So Jesus says there is... Now, you may say, well, this is in as it relates to the day of judgment, which would be the, the coming of the Lord and as we stand in judgment before him. And yes, this is true, but this also gives us an evidence of the importance of what we say. Because by our words, we'll either be acquitted or by words, by our words, we will be condemned. So he is stressing there how important it is for the things that come out of our mouth for us to, to, very, to be very cautious. And um, you remember, I, I'm thinking now of the, you know, the parable of the talents where the, some of the servants were given talents. They multiplied it and God blessed them for it. And then there's the one that buried it and said, I, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, collecting where you did not deposit. So I buried mine. And and the the master said, Because of because you knew me to be this way, by your words, he says that I will I will then judge you by those words. And so here I think David was a little hasty in his is what he said because he said he must you must this man must pay four times over. So without dragging this on, number one, the child was put to death. Number two, or the two times, if you continue on in the story of Second Samuel in verse or in chapter 13 Amnon and Tamar or Tamar Amnon is a son of David uh, Tamar is a daughter and Amnon rapes Tamar Now there comes to there comes a scene here where Amnon could have actually had uh, Tamar by covenantal uh, covenantal relationship by taking her wed you know, to to wed her to to become his uh, his wife and her husband. It's in verse thirteen. It says, "What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you?" This is uh, Tamar saying this to Amnon. You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. She's trying to convince him. Don't do this thing. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than she, he raped her. He could have had created a covenant with her through, through a, a longer path, through an honorable and respectable way. He could have fulfilled the desire of his heart, but he chose not to go that path. He chose to, in the moment, just respond and take for himself that which he desired. It actually says that Amnon loved Tamar. But here we see that love becomes lust because of a lazy, momentary fulfillment. He didn't want to commit to anything covenantal. He just wanted to fulfill the desire of his flesh. 
He did not want the pathway of righteous fulfillment. This is something that we in our lives should should really keep an eye on. There's things in our life that we desire, and they may be good things, but but we oftentimes choose the path to try to attain that, the easier path, the quicker, the faster path. And, and most times, that's not the path that, God's, that God desires. It's actually the long path that produces in us this, the righteousness necessary, not that we're producing or working for righteousness, but, but as we refuse our flesh and cling to the finished work of Christ, we are walking this path of righteousness. We are building ourselves up in, in our most holy faith. Now, we see that in verse 5 that Amnon's advisor put this in his heart to do. And Amnon conspired to do what was evil in God's sight. Now, it's interesting here, and again, sorry, this is another side note, but in chapter 12 of verse 9, David does something somewhat similar here. It says, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. So Amnon conspired to do evil. David also conspired to do evil. So we see kind of a a crossover here, a parallel. So number two, remember David says four times over, the child put to death, number one, Amnon rapes uh, Tamar. Number three, Absalom kills Amnon. Uh, We see this starting in chapter 13, Starting in verse 23, Absalom, he bides his time almost, I guess it was two years about after the fact, and he waits for the opportunity, conspiring, I'm sure, dealing with that hatred and anger for two years. But he finds the opportunity and he kills his brother, Amnon. So I submit to you that's number three, judgment. Number four, Uh, Absalom conspires for the throne and indeed usurps David for a period of time. So Absalom kills Amnon, his brother. He he ends up uh, running away and fleeing. Absalom returns back to Jerusalem. Uh, David is, is not bringing about, he's not judging or, um, I guess producing a consequence for for Absalom he just he just kind of ignores it and lets it go. He doesn't deal with it and he doesn't address it. But in ch- in chapter 15 we see that Absalom conspires to usurp the throne and indeed in chapter 15 verse 13 David flees and is on the run for a period of time. So here it is again that conspiring. We see that Amnon conspires against Tamar. We see that Absalom conspires and kills his brother Amnon. And then we see Absalom conspiring 
to usurp the throne of David. I'm sure there was a bit of disrespect. Well, obviously there was disrespect. He took the throne from his father, but there was something internally happening in Absalom where his respect for David as king, but maybe even too as father, was was compromised. Because David does nothing against Amnon for raping his sister Tamar. This would be David's daughter. David doesn't do anything in regard to Absalom killing his brother. And when Absalom comes back, there's nothing, there's no judgment executed. So I'm sure there is some, there is some, I guess, disappointment at within the family, both with Absalom against David. And so you, see, you, you may even see Absalom thinking to himself, this is the king. He doesn't take control of his own house. He lets us children run amok and behave however we will. We see this behavior actually in, I think it's, uh, isn't it Samuel? Actually, in fact, where his, where his sons are, are detestable and, and wretched and doesn't, he doesn't punish them or, um, bring about judgment against them for their behavior. Um, we see this with the sons of the Eli who were detestable sons. If I'm recalling this correctly by, by memory. So, um, so yeah, there's this, there's a necessity for, uh, upholding righteousness within your family. And, and then through the leadership of, of the Lord bringing about a judgment for that type of unrighteous behavior there there has to be there has to be some discipline and fatherly righteous leadership but we see that absent here in the case of David and his sons and what has happened with his daughter i i would leave us with this one question so i say Four times over, David says this punishment to Nathan. This man should be punished four times or repay four times. And, and I submit that he does indeed produce that judgment upon himself by the words that he spoke to Nathan. The child put to death, Amnon rapes uh, Tamar, Absalom kills Amnon, and Absalom conspires and usurps the throne. So David does indeed pay four times. Um, and so I just submit that I, that suggestion or proposal to you to consider and think on. I do want to leave one question though. If David had dealt with his family sin, and when I say that at Amnon, specifically really targeting Amnon raping Tamar, if David had dealt with that, could the downstream effects of that been prevented? Absalom permits or has this, I'm sure, hatred in his heart against his brother Amnon. 
But if David had brought about judgment for Amnon's behavior, could something have shifted or changed in in Absalom that could have either then prevented him from actually murdering his brother and also conspiring and usurping against his father, David. Now, we're all responsible for our own sin. I'm not suggesting that Absalom is not at fault here. He chose and made decisions. We all have to uh, to deal with things that happen to us in life and we have to we make decisions and there's consequences and it's by purely the grace of god that that things don't spiral out of control because we make terrible decisions all, all the time but i just i can't help but think if david had have been a a more assertive maybe a a, a a better fatherly, um, we'll just say figure, but that's not the right word. If he had of us had more assertive role in his leadership of the family, could some of those downstream things have shifted, changed, maybe not happened at all? Um, so, I guess I'll just leave it with that. Um, it is an interesting thing to ponder on, and of course, it's speculative. But uh, I do enjoy, I do I do enjoy thinking of those things and 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 possibly learning a greater picture that may not be as clear or uh, explicit in the text, but I think definitely warrants consideration. So I think this is where we'll end it today. I pray that it was a blessing, uh, opens up the word to you to maybe things you haven't thought of or considered. And until next time, we will see you. God bless. I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here.